Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I, I got to tell you something, people, about my newest sponsor. And it's called Blowfish for Hangovers. And this stuff is a lifesaver. After a big night, you just wake up, drop two Blowfish tablets in water, and drink it. That's it. Super easy. It tastes great, and it's recognized by the FDA, so you know it works. And here's what you do. You go to fourhangovers.com. That's F-O-R hangovers.com and use the promo code Cooper to get 20% off your order or just look for Blowfish in the pain reliever IR at CBS. So if you hate being hungover, you got to get some Blowfish and I'm telling you stuff, people, this stuff works and it's football season. So you're going to be drinking because there's football Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, every day there's football. So please go to their website for hangovers, F-O-R hangovers.com. Hook yourself up some Blowfish hangover and don't forget 20% off if you use the name Cooper. So anyway, we have a, I'm excited for today's show because, you know, people, when it comes back to, you know, my roots, my, my South Jersey roots, you know, graduating Cherry Hill East and going to Stockton State College, I'm all about the South Jersey Philly scene and the music. And uh, my guest, she's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say the word, uh, you could call her, she's, she's a Philadelphia legend. I mean, she's known all around the world, but when it comes to Philly, she's a legend. And my guest is Jade Starling. How you doing, Jade? Hey Steve, how are you? <laughs> Good. No, I'm saying you know I was I was excited you were coming on because you are you're in the air and you know you're you're a legend you, and you probably know that but you probably don't like to admit it. <laughs> I've been told I'm a gay icon, but uh, legend, I'll take it. You yeah. know, <laughs> but icon icon is good. I you know I I actually think that if you use I like the word iconic better than legend because somehow legend I don't know iconic just sounds like you stand for something. Right, right. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, either way, I mean, it's very flattering. I mean, I'm honored. I'm honored to hear that. Well, it's good. Well, I got to ask you, you know, you've been singing for your whole life. When did you start singing and when did you know you had a good voice? And, I mean, how does this all start? Because you've been in the business for a long time. When did you, were you a kid, were you singing? Or, or, Or how did this all start off? Well, first of all, I came out of the womb singing. <laughs> My mom said I was a total screamer when I was born. So um, I think it was a natural progression for me, coming from a very musical household. My father played guitar, and he was a multi-instrumentalist. And my brother played guitar. My mom played piano and sang. So there was always music in the house. My dad was actually a jazz musician. So there was uh, a lot of jazz and rock playing in the house all the time. So, I mean, my influences from a very early age were totally musical, and it just felt natural to me. Uh, My mom started entering me in pageants when I was about three years old, two or three years old. So, um, you know, I've been doing the singing, dancing, and entertaining people for such a long time that it always felt like that was my purpose in life. So it became a passion for me to entertain people and then, you know, got my writing chops on. I I just, you know, there were so many things I wanted to do and be, as most kids dream about being, you know, a teacher or a, a cop or, you know, normal things like that. But, you know, music just felt so natural for me. I felt like this is what, you know, God's gift to me. Well, you know, it, it's funny you say that because you hear a lot of times with musicians, not as much actors, because I talk to a lot of actors and they, something gets them down the road. May it be, you know, they didn't make a football team, so they went to the acting class or, or like that. But a lot of musicians, it seems that, you know, at a young age, I mean, yeah, we all, as you said, we want to be teachers and cops. We all want to do something different. But for a lot of musicians, it's just something that they just, they know and they want to express themselves at a, at, at a young age. Yes, it was very instinctual, you know, and that's why I feel like the talents that I was given are, are very genuine. And, you know, I do feel that everyone has this calling in life and purpose that they should serve throughout their life. And I feel like I've healed people not just people, but I've healed myself by healing people through music. And 
it's just a gift. I mean, it's there's nothing else in this world that I would have wanted to be more. So than so exactly, you know who I am. So so you're you're a young kid. You're singing. At what age do you sit there and actually say, okay, you know what? You know, you have you doing it. You're loving it. It's your passion. But once again, we always have to remember, you know, certain things. And you're lucky because you it's been your career. But sometimes it's not an easy street. At what age did you say, okay, here's the deal. This is definitely what my life calling is. Because at five, you said at five and six, we don't know what our life calling is. So, I mean, when did you sit there and say, I really want to start doing this as my career? And how did you follow that path? Well, I used to sit in with my brother's band when I was like 12, 13. And I'd be wailing these songs on the microphone. And my brother would just be like, this is crazy, this big voice coming out of this little little thing. Um, you really should start thinking about doing this as a career. And a few years after that, as things evolved more, um, I was lucky enough to start doing these shows with people like Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, who were also, you know, young like me, and, you know, being like 16, 15, 16, 17 years old, it's like, wow, this is, this is really something. This is like something people are really enjoying and people are connecting to, and not just young people, but all ages were coming out. The parents were enjoying it. The kids were enjoying it. Um, so I think at that point I felt like, yeah, this is definitely going somewhere. This is definitely happening. Was and then shortly thereafter, I mean, uh, we had two really big hits, Catch Me Falling and Nighttime, and then eventually uh, signed a big deal with uh, Virgin Records. So, I mean, dreams were definitely coming true. And everything was just, you know, well, snowballing at that point. That's that's crazy to say, especially all catch me now. I mean, that's like, believe me, that was my that was our dance song at the coastline in Cherry Hill back you know, when I was in college. So and, cute. A lot of people say it was like my prom song. Oh yeah, and, it was that. You know. and, or I played at Taylor's and all these bars. I mean, that that was like the dance song. And I graduated college in '86, and I believe that song came out in '87, and it was just huge so so how did you end up though getting on the i guess it was the mall tour with tiffany and, and debbie how did that how did that happen how did you make the connections because it, it's it's something that's a big accomplishment for someone young well the record was starting to make a lot of noise locally and brought it to the attention of virgin records there was a rep here by the name of iris dillon who happened to be in town for some other reason, but kept hearing my song everywhere she went. It was on the radio, it was in clubs. She did her homework and swooped us out and found us. And um, we ended up signing a deal with them. And I was with ICM agency at that point. I'd signed, we had signed a deal with them. And somehow they put it together to have these, you know, three young ladies doing mall shows and uh, we did not only mall shows, we did um, some military bases and things like that too. So was getting very large audiences and I didn't even mind being the opening on, on that tour. I don't mind opening for the other two girls. I ended up actually doing a full-fledged tour with Debbie Gibson um, a few years after that, you know, which was more like a a tour with bands and, you know, live players and all that stuff. So it definitely had matured and, you know, we had gotten seasoned from doing it as a kid. You know, you get comfortable in front of people and then, you know, once you've got a little bit of that under your belt, then you really want to come out and do it in a in a big way. So, right. yeah, and and I still do dates with those girls today. It's That's so cool. Funny. Tiffany was on a few weeks I ago. Did. She lives in Nashville, and it was just so funny because she said yeah. she she lives in the middle of like nowhere, and we kept cutting out because she's like Steve. I'm like, 
in the sticks where I live. <laughs> it's so true, and I know that she hates to fly, and she drives everywhere. I mean, her. I think her husband, um, who also ma- manages or co-manages her, drives her everywhere. I just did a show with both those girls like a couple months ago out in, out of the Queen Mary. Oh, you ruined that show? And, uh, I had yes. I had a lot of Facebook uh, posts from people at that show. That was a that was a killer show. I mean, you know, we sometimes really was. It was two nights. It was, it was fantastic. I think Berlin was yeah. on it. I, I think Young MC made yes. it. That's yes. You know, it I'm, was amazing, and also. Um, oh, another girl. Oh God, I'm Lisa Lisa. Yeah, she she's. I do tons of those shows with her, but I'm uh, missing persons. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Who came out to it? So it was just like, oh my god! All these groups that I've, you know, idolized, and then I got to meet Terry Nunn. I got to meet uh, the lady from Missing Persons. It was just, you know, it was just amazing. What a! How did you get the name Pretty Poison, and how did you how did you put the group together? Because you know, it, it's different now. Because if, if anyone wants to get with someone to do something collaborative, you can just pop on Craigslist or pop on the internet. Back then, I mean, in you were, were you in Philly when the group started in the Philly area, or did you start it up in New York? Where were you when you when Pretty Poison formed? Um, living in South Jersey, so the group was players from Philadelphia and Jersey. Um, I had seen a an ad for a group looking for a singer. I think I was in. Um, and in Sam Goody or one of those music stores I'd seen a posting and I called and I auditioned for this group and that's how I met Way Cooler um, he was in a group with his brother who plays drums Way was playing uh, big multi-instrumentals he was playing guitar, keyboards um, and also band leader so I had gone over there I auditioned and they liked my voice and I don't know, it just naturally clicked. We just started uh, collaborating on a lot of stuff. We wrote a ton of songs, and uh, I guess we were kicking around some names, and there was, there was, I think it was either a movie or a song called Pretty Poison, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool. It, it's like, good description. You know, you could be pretty, and you lure them in, and then you're, Poison them, you know. <laughs> you get them. You just get them. Get them with the music, and um, yeah. So it just kind of, just kind of worked. Now, now, kind of clicked. Now, when you wrote "Catch Me Now I'm Falling," did I mean, you guys wrote it? Did you? I mean, ever think? Steve, can I can I just correct you? It's "Catch Me I'm Falling." Okay, I'm, I I always screw up. I apologize. I I do all my research, and I just no 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 no. That's okay. I just wanted to tell you that it's. The lyric, there is a lyric in it that says now, catch me okay, now, so. calling, but it's actually catch me. I'm See, calling. people, Steve Cooper does his research, but sometimes he screws up. <laughs> so, oh, no, no. I'm joking, I'm, I'm, joking. To, I'm, I'm joking, know, I'm joking with you. I'm not being critical, I just want you to know. I that's know, I'm, the I'm, title. I'm a, I'm a, but that is the lyric, though. I'm a Scorpio, we're very sensitive. No. <laughs> <laughs> my I'm girl, a Capricorn. We're very ambitious. <laughs> exactly. My girlfriend always goes, "You're the sensitive person," and I go, "Be quiet." And I get sensitive about it. But when you wrote, when you wrote that song, did you ever? I mean, because we all write songs. I'm sure you have some of the songs you wrote that were your favorite, and some you said are good. But there's ones that stick out. Did you ever think that first of all that song would fly up the charts, and secondly that it would still have this lasting? power which it's you still use in tv shows and movies like when you penned that song did you say this song is going to last for a real damn long time <laughs> you know what we've been so lucky with this song so blessed that it's had the longevity that it's had um i actually co-wrote that song with way cooler um we still work together today he we, we still do dates Pretty Poison, he, he actually helps to co-write and produce my solo stuff, so I just want to let everyone know that I'm still working with Way Cooler, and back in the day, um, we had written quite a few songs, we are putting an album together, and we were working with an amazing producer named Kay Williams, 
God rest his soul, he passed away a few years ago. Um, we were working with him and also another producer from Philly named Kurt Shore, who uh, was working out of a studio called KGEM. So while we were writing and producing these songs that were going to be on an album, um, yes, Catch Me was one of them. Uh, you know, we liked it. We, we liked it a lot. But, you know, there was other songs that we were thinking, wow, this song is great. This song this song could really be a smash hit. But um, for some reason, you know, it, it connected with people. I think it's a beautiful song. I think that, you know, when you take away the instrumentation and if you just strip it down and you play it acoustically, which we have, you know, with just a guitar or piano, I mean, there there is a beautiful song in there, lyrically, melodically. Um, I think love songs tend to tug at our heartstrings and, you know, connect with people. No, I had no idea that the song was going to be a smash hit. Um, we liked it, we thought it was good, but, you know, God has graced us with this this song that just keeps on keeping on. I mean, it, it's still today, still touching people, still connecting with people, still being used in, you know, movies, TV. Um, we're actually working on a commercial using that song. It's been used in video games, and uh, there's some remixes coming out early in 2017 too so we're very excited about that um it's sort of like the gift that keeps on giving yeah <laughs> and i think like i think like any any songwriter or anyone that's had hits in the past or you know anyone that's had the good fortune to have a song that's connected with people um something that really resonates with people um you always hope that you're going to have a hit. I mean, you write, you write hoping that people are going to like it and people are going to connect with it. But, um, you know, in answer to your question, I mean, really, we we had no idea. We thought we it was a good song, but we had no idea people were going to, you know, go so crazy over it. And it just, you know, it, it really opened up so many doors for us. How did it end up in the movie Hiding Out? I mean, that's, you know, if people know that's an old John Cryer movie, which was a good movie. How did it end up in that movie? Like, did the did the, did the movie company hear it or did your manager pitch it? Or I always wonder, how do songs end up in a movie? Well, ironically, when we were being signed or, you know, working our deal out with Virgin, Virgin had the soundtrack to this movie, Hiding Out. And in the movie, there's a scene where John Cryer is on a date with uh, the love interest and they're roller skating. And they keep falling. So in the movie, and actually in the, tr the movie trailer, they used Catch Me, I'm Falling for that scene. In the roller skating rink, you hear catching and falling in the background, and then they're skating, and then they fall, and then they're like falling in love. It was so cute. It was so perfect. So, I guess it was good timing that the song was already happening on its own. I, I believe we had sold about thirty thousand copies independently, so the song was really already starting to take off. Um, then they they put it in the movie trailer. And then they uh, released the soundtrack, and then they released our album. So uh, the, the the single ended up becoming a platinum single. I mean, it's over a million. So it's it was just a perfect timing. I mean, we were so lucky in that way. I honestly, I truly feel blessed, you know, about it. Well, it's funny because I always say that I do, you know, you know, especially as, as for me as I've gotten older, there, you know, songs are basically like our photo albums because, you know, now kids have the, all the taking the selfies and all this stuff. But, you know, I mean, who really saved their photos from back in the day? Not me. You know, you sit there and go, oh, spring break from when I was in college. But music, that's the thing. Like when, when you know, you're going to be on that song, it's 
right there, it puts you back to, as I said, the coastline or places like that. And that's what's great about music. And that's what's great that a song that stands up that so so long is that you can you still hear on the radio and it takes you back, but it also pushes you forward. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, music, like you said, it is the soundtrack of our lives. And it's so, so sweet when people will message me or come up to me or whatever and say, you know, I was, I was at my prom or I was, you know, at this wedding or I was on my first date or, you know, it, it takes me back to this really great time. So it's very, very flattering and heartwarming to hear how Catch Me has touched people's lives in some way in a very happy, joyful way, you right. know? It's nice to have that kind of memory connected with your song. What was it like shooting the video? I mean, when the first video you guys did, because once again, video was early, were you excited? I mean, that must be as a singer who's been singing as a little kid, and you know, and you have you know the red hair and you have that great look, you know, which you still do. Did you think it was just like the coolest thing ever to shoot a video? Oh my God, it was amazing. It really was. And we got to work with the late Bob Giraldi. Okay. Who, um, he did a lot of the Michael Jackson videos, the very extravagant ones like Beat It. Um, anyway, uh, working with Bob Giraldi was a dream come true. Um, it w- we shot it in Hollywood High. So you shot it out here? And yes. Oh, cool. Shot at Hollywood High. I used to live two blocks and, from there. Uh, how about that? It's just so crazy. It's such a, like I said, it's such a small world, a big world and a small world. But, um, yeah, I mean, we got to do this amazing video shoot, and it was choreographed. We worked with Paul Abdul, worked with um, so many amazing people and makeup artists and costumes and dancers, you know, it was just such a huge, big budget, something you only dream about, you know, and I have to tell you, it was like a dream, shooting it, it was just like a pinch me moment, and it was fun, and, you know, we got to jump on the trampolines, and (laughs) swing on the tree swings, and, you know, it it was just such an amazing time. Now, and, you know, a fantasy. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Now, at that time, you know, when you're sitting there and, and you guys are a newer band and you have this big hit, do you ever, do you start getting a little nervous on how you're going to follow that up? Because, you know, you know, people are so damn critical. And so did you ever sit there? I mean, how did you figure you're going to follow it up just keep doing what you're doing because it's working or did you sit there and sit there and get writer's block or what happened when you started following that hit up and when you started writing new material well luckily we had been in the process of working on the album in between um we actually lived in three different locations making the album we lived in LA for about six months and then we lived in New York for like four months and then we went out to Chicago for probably about three, four weeks that we were working with different producers and um, I mean it was kind of like hectic because in between we're doing dates, we're also doing radio station promotions because I don't know if people know out there, and they still do it today, that um, you go and do these these shows for these radio stations, and you pretty much volunteer your services, and it gets your radio, gets your, your record airplay, you know, gets you, gets you um, to meet all the radio people, the right people, and then it keeps your record going, keeps the momentum going. So in the meantime, recording an album, flying all over the world, shooting videos, and yes, I mean, it, it was no writer's block, but it was definitely a tough song to follow up because when you have something that big, it was just so big. It was this 
song was actually bigger than the group, you know what I mean? The song just became this this entity. So um, we had released a song called Nighttime, and that, that came out actually before Catch Me. We redid it with Chef Patty Bone, and then they re-released it as the second single. It was top 40 hit, but definitely was not as big as Catch Me. Catch Me was just this monster. I mean, it was just so big. And it is hard to follow up something that big. It went to number eight pop, number one dance, number 13 R&B. It was pretty much number one all over the world. And, you know, when you have something that big, it's just really tough to follow it up. And, you know, but we, but we worked, nonetheless, we worked our butts off. We just kept it going. We did release a third single called When I Look Into Your Eyes. Also another top 40 hit, but, you know, getting in that top 10, top 5, number 1 spot, just so difficult. I could imagine. You know? Now, you said when you were traveling all over the world, what were some of the places that you were playing, and, and what is that like to just travel and constantly play and then when you play that song or any of your song because people will go to concerts we're going not just for one song and they're going for the whole pretty poison you know collection what was it like traveling and still today what's it like when you just go and you feel that energy and and what are some of your favorite places that you've played well early on uh we went to England, we went to France, we went to, we did a Montreux Pop Festival in Switzerland with Ziggy Marley, who was also a label mate. Um, we did a lot of stuff. Um, as far as favorite, favorite spots, um, you know, I was sort of like this wide-eyed kid and just taking it all in and enjoying the the love and the the pandemonium as it were um i always enjoy going to the west coast for some reason i live on the east coast but i always enjoy doing west coast dates um the response out there is always so great um anywhere in europe i'm always happy to have to go and perform for people in other countries, always exciting. Um, one of the first spots that we got popular was actually Miami, Florida, so that's that's kind of where that whole freestyle scene started. Um, that's, always, that's always a good spot, too, but you know what? There's so many other spots in between, and I have to say, New York, always amazing, amazing, you know? We'll still do a lot of dates in New York um, and Connecticut. Have some things coming up too. Um, I just did a very huge gay pride this past uh, June 24th in New York City. It was the biggest uh, gay pride march that they'd ever had. There was over two million people, and I was the headlining performer on the KTU float which was very prestigious and I was very honored to be a part of it. And uh, a couple a couple floats ahead of us was Hillary Clinton. So it was it was a big deal. How so, how did you become the uh, a gay icon? I mean that's a weird question, but it's so funny because one thing, you know, Gay, gay crowds are amazing. Uh, me and Joanne went to see. Yes, they are. Uh, oh God, we went to Pantages, and you know, and it's in you know, in, on uh, on Hollywood Boulevard, and we saw the production of Priscilla, Queen of the Jungle, and and I honestly think we were the only straight couple, and we've been to a lot of shows at Pantages, and this was by far the most fun. And the crowd, I ran into a few guys I know, and, and, and we're all just like, and, and the crowd was so energetic. Like, you just walk out, and yeah, the show was great, but the, you just feel good. How did you become so involved? And I know you were a very, uh, very early advocate for a gay marriage, same-sex marriage. 
how did how did your did this popularity start? You know, how did it happen? And and how and it must be amazing for you to have held it for so long. And now it must be amazing for you also to see that. You know, yeah, there's a long way to go, but gay rights have advanced so much. I mean, I'm thinking back when I was in college, you know, no one was really out. And that was in 86 when I graduated. And it's just created. I see guys from high school now who we may have thought they were gay, but now they're getting married. And it's just a wonderful feeling. How did you get so involved with the community? And how did they just make you like this icon? You know, um, I was doing, I was performing in these gay clubs even before I was old enough to get in to clubs. And um, they just took a shine to me. Maybe it was my, you know, the red hair and the, the crazy outfits that I would wear, but they connected to me right away. You know, I've always been a free spirit, and I've always had the opinion of live and let live, and I've always admired people that could just be themselves and be their genuine, true, you know, true to themselves. And that's why I'd, I admired the gay community so much. And I've taken a stance and I've, I've done a lot of work in the LGBT community. I do, uh, you know, I do a lot of free, you know, work. I go and do performances for a lot of their um activities and things like that and prize and white parties. Um, I just believe that there was a mutual love there from the start and I've never been one to to shame anyone or I've always tried to promote love and unity and it's really important to support each other as human beings and you know, I, as you said, I am a gay advocate, and they've stuck with me all these years, and it's just amazing. I did quite a few prides this year. I also did Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia, and on a sadder note, when I was driving back from, from D.C. to do Philadelphia, it was all in one weekend. That was the weekend that the shootings happened at Pulse Nightclub in Orlando. And many of our brothers and sisters were killed and wounded, and it was just so sad. It was just, I couldn't even believe that something like that could happen in such a peaceful community, you know. I mean, all I've ever wanted to see and promote is the solidarity of all of us together. So it was heartbreaking. So my new song um, is called "Pardon to Life." I listened to it. Uh, I like it. It's got a, it's got a good. I just sitting there going. The, I just played it, and uh, me and Joanne were like, "That's good." It's got a nice beat. It's got you know, and it's got that like for me, it's got like that old school, cool, old school look. Like I'm not talking to people. I'm not talking like old school, 1950s, none of that crap. I'm talking. It's got that old school. It, it, <laughs> no, I'm saying it's it's. I listened to it, and I'm like. Hey man, it's, well, you it's know what? Catchy. It's a very, it's a positive message. Bring this party to life, and it's really about bringing people together and celebrating life. And I believe that that's why the the gay prides were really connecting to me this year with that song. And it's starting to get a lot of airplay on dance radio and next year, so it's really starting to break for me. So we're hoping this one's going to be a big hit. It, it's looking good. I'm glad you're connecting to it too. I mean, it really. It really has something special about it, and not just because I wrote it, but I'm saying the production and just the way it's just the way it sounds. It's just an amazing record. Very proud of it. Now, how did you find the and guy? I'm, oh, sorry. So iTunes, baby. iTunes, baby. Yeah. How, <laughs> how did, did I find what? How did you find the guy that you collaborated on it with? Oh, um, well, Wei and I actually wrote the song Party to Life. Um, it it came through Mike Ferrolo from Tasmania Records. He sent us a track um, that he collaborated on with Luca Debonair. Um, he's from Amsterdam. And the song came about. We actually, he sent us the track. I We wrote it in like a day or two. I recorded the, 
the vocals, Way produced the vocals, we sent it back, they worked their magic, and then it came back, and we were just like completely blown away. It just had that sound, you know, it just, that sizzle. <laughs> It does, no. As I said, it does. It's and it's got a nice. I mean, it, as I say, it sounds. I mean, I don't. I don't listen to a lot of new music. I, I'm. I'm not that I'm archaic. I'm a big '80s guy, classic rock and '90s some of the grunge, and I do like the old hip hop and the old dance stuff. But this, I was like, because I'm. I don't know. I, I listened to it. and I was like, this. This is. This is good, man. It's and it's. It's got, it's just uplifting, as you said, and it's good because you're the message. And now, you know, how do you, when you write a song like that, and then you say it's going to be uplifting, how do you figure out that it's going to be uplifting? And, and what is your whole writing process? Because you want it to be uplifting, and the words have to be good. I mean, does it just because you and Way have been writing together for a long time, does it just flow? Or do you have to work on it? Because you said you wrote it in one, like one or two days. I mean, how, do you, do you guys just trust each other and know each other so much? I mean, what's a session with you two writing together like? Well, you know, it all depends. I mean, if if the music is moving us in a certain way, then it could come quickly. I mean, sometimes the song could just come in five, ten minutes, and then you just elaborate on it from there. I mean, there was just something very inspirational about this message party to life, bring this party to life, because there's just been entirely too much darkness, you know, like the human race has been slipping into this dark hole, this, this oblivion, and it's just, it's just as sad, it's just as sad to see all this turmoil and unnecessary violence and the murder rates just going up and they're killing cops and they're it's just I don't understand why the world is just going to hell in handbasket. You know, and it's a shame for our young, you know, the up and coming generation. We want to have them look forward to something that's you know, that's beautiful, that that can be better. And call me idealistic, but you know, I do dream of this better world, this more beautiful, more compassionate, you know, way of uh, getting along. So, I know it sounds crazy, but I just like to keep the songwriting, especially for a song like this, to, for it, in order for it to be uplifting, you really have to feel that way in your mindset, you know, because I think that's what comes through in the song. If you don't feel it, you don't get it. And it is touching people. So, you know, when and I do write songs, I think it's important for us to maintain the integrity of the song and the lyric. The lyrics and melody have to be meaningful, you know, and something that, you know, we believe in, whether it's a love song, whether it's, you know, a song that's maybe deeper and darker, whatever that message is, we try to remain true to whatever it is. And I believe that Party to Life, we're in a time right now where we are in desperate need of, of more positive thinking and a more, you know, something more to look forward to in life. And why do you, you know, why we've got to celebrate life. Why do you think we're at a time like that now? Because, you know, do you think it's because there's so much media? Or why? I mean, because, you know, as I said, you know, you, you're very big with the gay community, which is a very positive community. You, you played clubs and dance clubs, which are positive because people go out to dance to have fun. Why do you think that it's we've been becoming so negative and you know and your music is trying to change that and you know and so what what do you think happened? Why do I think that the world is in a much deeper darker place? Yeah, what why why do you think? I mean because and you're trying to change it which is awesome. But what 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 happened? You know what happened between you know like the 80s when it was just like, "Hey, everyone, go drink, have fun." 
you know, wear shoulder pads, you know, wear, hey guys, I'm wearing red Chuck Taylor. You know, it was just like, and everyone just had fun. I always say the 80s, to me, it was, it wasn't politically correct because we all had manners. We didn't need to be. It's like you just knew right right or wrong. You knew that you didn't do this to someone. You didn't say this to somebody. And if you did, you go, oh my God, I screwed up. And then you'd feel awful for days. What do you think happened? Because you've been in the entertainment scene and you've been, as I said, with different you've you've seen the the gay community grow and but what do you think has happened that's made us you know more negative because i see it too i see it on facebook a lot people are so they 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 get pissed off at everything and they're very dark instead of just being happy yeah well you know social media being an amazing thing um i mean it certainly helped to help you know, it's helped me a lot in maintaining a career, not only in the group, but as a solo artist. Um, but then again, social media puts us in a situation where someone can just say something so harsh. You know, you're, you're seeing things firsthand as they unfold. You know, it's not like you can hide anything. Everything is out there for the world to see. Everyone is airing their dirty laundry. People get angry. You know, people are fighting every day to keep their jobs. You know, their financial situations are not good. People are going crazy. They're going to their workplaces. They're shooting people up. I mean, I truly believe that as a blessing as social media is, it's also been a curse because there's just so much information out there and you just can't hide anything so it's making people angry as much as it's making people happy and connecting people it's also making people angry and go out of their mind so I don't see that changing I'm hoping it's going to get better I mean the information is always going to be out there it's how you take the information and what you do with it And, you know, I think that we have to teach our children to do better, just to do better as far as being the human race, you know, as far as, like, being respectful to other people. And, you know, my mom taught me a great saying, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. You know what I mean? It's... I think Sometimes it's, it's better to keep your opinions to yourself, especially if it's going to be hurtful to somebody or negative. You know what? I, I think it's a South Jersey mom thing because my mom was full of those great sayings too. She always said, Stephen, <laughs> if, if, if you don't know something, ask. And my mom didn't sound like that. I don't even know why I do my mom's <laughs> voice like that. But she said, Stephen, if, if you don't know something, ask because you're not going to think you're stupid if you ask. And I've always kept that with me, and, I, and it's right, because I'll be out, and I, I won't know a word, and I'll say to someone, well, what does that word mean? Because I don't want to act like I like it, and then I have the complete wrong thing. And what you just said, it sounds like something my mom would say, too. It was like they had these, and it's the South Jersey moms. You know, I think they just had these <laughs> these certain lingos. So, okay, i got to ask you this also. Well, first of all, what is what is all your social media stuff? What do you got? Where? What's your Twitter? All that stuff, so people can get in touch with you. Oh, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. Yes, please follow me at Jade Starling. You could follow me on my Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, of course, and my website is jadestarling.com. So all my social media is at Jade Starling, all one word: J A D E S T A R L I N G. Um, follow me on SoundCloud. You can follow me on YouTube. Definitely check out my YouTube channel. Um, there's two videos for um, the new single, Party to Life. One is a lyric video. The other is the official video that was shot at the New York City Pride, where you can see two million people as the backdrop. It's just incredibly um, amazing and I have to say, you know, it was a little D-U-Y-I, D- D- like a do-it-yourself video, but it definitely gets the point across. You can see this magnificent, colorful backdrop of happy, 
excited people. So, I mean, talk about promoting something that's full of love and positivity and unity and solidarity. You know, as I said, there was, there, you know, it's something I've always promoted. And there was a song that I released in 97 called Let Freedom Ring, which recently was brought back by this amazing gentleman named Jeremy Morse who did this little video um, on Facebook that got about a half a million views and he's dancing to my song and he's wearing a red, white, and blue um, Edo. and he's like an overweight furry, they call him the dancing bear gay <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> gentleman so He's been very supportive, and he also just did a video for Party to Life. So I do appreciate that, the cross-promotion, you know? Like, I feel like in a lot of ways we're, we're reaching out and we're helping people in some way. And as I said, it's always been my, my task. It's my mission, my passion in life, not only as a, as a songwriter and an entertainer, but as a human being. Now, because you've been writing for a long time, have you seen your songwriting, how has it changed? You know, because as we grow, we our views grow and our views change. How has your songwriting changed, do you think? I mean, it's still, it sounds good. You're still doing a positive message. But do you, as you've gotten older, have your songwriting evolved differently? Or do you, I mean, what's it like for you now? Oh, I think my songwriting definitely evolved um, quite a bit. Uh, I recently had my first solo album called Captive. <clears throat> Available on iTunes. Um, it's <laughs> it spawned three Billboard club hits, including the last one, Better and Better, that went to number three. Um, we were doing a lot of collaborations um, internationally by way of Skype writing with um, Lee Gagger from the UK, Frank Donna from France, and Laszlo Sinazi from Hungary. He lives in Vegas now, but um, when we were writing the album, which came out uh, exactly two years ago, um, we were doing a lot of late-night Skype sessions, so it was very interesting, you know, the songwriting process of writing with someone who's on Skype and they're in a whole other time zone across the world, like an eight-hour eight difference or something, you know, and we would just be like all three of us in a room together working on music, although they were on the Skype. So, <clears throat> you know, I've opened myself up to a lot of different processes, whether it's just being in a ladies' room somewhere in a restaurant and there's nice acoustics in the bathroom and no one's there and I just start singing something and <laughs> hum it into my phone or whatever. Um, you know, the songwriting process is is ongoing, never-ending, and always surprising. You know, there's, there's really not one particular scenario for it. You know, there's... Anything can be inspiring at any time. I, I do a lot of writing in the car. They always say that your mind is at a different level because I do. I, I do joke writing, and, and it's true. Like, or when you're about to go to bed, like I always sit there and I start to fall asleep, and I think it's something funny, and I go, "Oh, wait!" And then I always go, "Now nah, I'll remember it," and, and you never remember. It. That's just a thing. But you're right when you're driving, well, especially in LA, cause there's always traffic, so you're just staring out <laughs> to space. Right. Sure. So now it must be. So it must be cool. Though. I mean, you know, just to see how technology has changed and has really helped the music business with the writing and stuff like that. Well, you know, it's awesome. I have a Galaxy, and I don't know what kind of phone you have, but my Galaxy Six has the memo. Um, it's like a recorder, so you can just, you know, whenever I get an idea of any sort, I just hum it or sing it or, you know, whatever, the lyrics, you know, just say it gibberish and then I'll go back to it and say, oh, wow, that was pretty good. You know, it gives me like a focal point, a starting point if I get an idea for something. So I, I had it's the, been on crash, 
This way I'll crash my car. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, I have the Galaxy 5. And I'm going to tell you something. I love the phone, <laughs> except that battery disappears. And like, I swear to God, it, it, the battery is so bad. If you're doing stuff, you can actually like see the level going down like every second. Oh, you're right. It's you're like so I'm, right about that. I'm going, wait a second. You are exactly right. I, yeah, yeah I'm, so, I'm going, okay, I just checked this. I did this. I put this memo. I did this. And wait a second. My battery's at 76% like 15 minutes. It's irritating. It does chew up a lot of battery. You are absolutely right. But Yeah. You know, I usually just keep it plugged in in the in the car, particularly if I'm on a, a long ride and I know I'm going to be working on stuff or whatever. So that seems to be like my office, my little studio away from the studio. Now, here's something. I don't know if you'll remember this, but my girlfriend wanted me to ask you about this. That did you remember when you performed on Dance Party USA? Because her brother used to be a regular dance, like one of the dancers on that show. Yeah, I think that was probably one of our first appearances ever. <laughs> I totally remember that show. Now, now, where do you you do it? Because it seems like the '80s music's really coming back, and it's hitting hard, and it's awesome. Because as I say, it was a great music, a great time. Where are some of your upcoming concerts, and how do they, how does someone book you? I mean, do they sit there? Do you, do do you have someone? I mean, do you want to go on a major tour at all, or are you fine just doing sporadic events? Well, I do both. I'm actually uh, doing a major tour next year. It's called the Lost 80s Tour, speaking of the 80s. Um, I was just talking to the the agent. They just finished up their Lost 80s Tour this year, and um, so we're probably going to be on about 12 dates next year around this time. It runs from, like, August through September, so it's like, I believe it's like, 12, 12 or 16 dates. So, and it's all West Coast, which is exciting for me. Um, as far as booking us, yes, uh, we worked for several booking agencies. Um, if you're interested out there for booking, uh, you can contact Vince Andrews, 609 9, oh, I can't think of something. It's all right. We'll figure it out. We'll, we can Google that stuff. Um, what? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's on it's on my social media, the booking agent. Um, dates coming up. I'm going to be at Foxwoods um, October 15th. That's in Connecticut. Um, I'm going to be out in Wilkesbury at um, another casino. Oh, I can't think of the name of it though. Um, it's on my website. October 8th. And then I'm going to be out at the iHeart Radio Show in Vegas, uh, September 22nd through the 25th. So we're real excited. We're leaving for Vegas in uh, about a little over a week. That's a great uh, concert. Very excited. And then um, I'm going to be performing at um, Club Share, S-H-A-R-E, on the 24th. And that's in Vegas. So, yeah, we're going to the iHeart show, and then I'm doing a performance. And then I'm also going to be stopping by Hakkasan, uh, my good friend and producer of the next Catch Me Up Following 2017. His name is Jeff Retro. He is the resident, one of the residents at Hakkasan out in Vegas. So, we're going to go see him. It's his birthday. And, um, very excited about seeing everyone next week. So many of my producer friends that live in Vegas, Chris Cox, um, who does a lot of mixes on my stuff, and he's currently working on one for Party to Life. He lives out there. Laszlo Sinazzi lives out there. Frank Donna lives out there. Um, just an amazing hub for talented DJs and producers, and of course, the adult Disneyland. Oh yeah, it's yeah, great. Stoked. Now, now, when you're doing these concerts, when do you put "Catch Me on Falling"? Where do you play it? Do you usually play it in the beginning or the end, or how do you play? Where? How do you figure out when you're going to play it? You know, it's usually at the end. You know, I mean, I I prefer to give them new stuff. I like, usually like to open with the newer newer stuff, and then um, my show consists of new stuff. And I also do like a freestyle medley, 
I do a couple medleys in the show. So I'm going to definitely incorporate the old and the new. And of course, you know, we're always going to do the classic hits. And Whoop. Dang, I lost you. <laughs> yeah, you lost me. We already have a few minutes left. But we're saying, and that's okay. perfect timing. What? So wait, so you, you always incorporate the, the old and the new to give the people, you know, what they want. Absolutely. And, you know, you leave them wanting more, too, because once you do catch me, they're all up on their feet and they're singing. And, you know, and then we'll probably come out and do an encore of some sort. You know, I usually have a surprise in the show. It's very... Uh, visual, we use a video backdrop in the show, so it's like an audio-visual experience. So, I look forward for everyone to come out and see me perform, see the group perform. I'm still with Pretty Poison, although I'm doing my solo stuff, so, you know, I'm never going to disappoint. I'm always going to give you the classic hits and new hits. Now, I got I to ask you this. Your show was on Breaking Bad. Your song was on Breaking Bad. Yes. Now, how did, did your... Did your sales like on iTunes and stuff peak after that because it was such a pop phenomenon and people are still watching it and I know people who binge watch that two or three times did you notice any spike in sales at all when your song was used on a show that popular um yeah I think there was for sure I mean absolutely and you know it just started to um I mean it already gets played a lot on classic you know 80 stations and classic music stations but as a recurrent song i definitely saw a spike you know it ebbs and flows but yes at that point it was it was going pretty crazy off the off the richter and um you know sometimes it gets more than others but it definitely brought in some other opportunities so everything's sort of uh in that um domino effect you know isn't that great? I mean, because and the funny thing is, there's always going to be a new TV writer or a, a show that they always like that song. When they get their break, they're going to put it on. I bet that song will be in shows 20 years from now. Well, I hope you're right. And Keep your fingers crossed. There's I something will. really big coming up. <laughs> I hope. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. This was fun. I'm glad we got to, you know, it's so funny how I got in touch with you because your PR guy listened to my Michelle Green episode and she even mentioned him on air. And then I went to his, he tweeted it and I went to his website and I saw you were a client. And so I said, I would love to have Jane on the show. And then you called me. And now that's what you call to me. That's what my show is all about. That's just organic happening. Well, I would say there's a lot of uh, synchronicities going on here. You know, we have to give Randy Alexander a shout-out. Yes. Love you, Randy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Randy Randy reached out to me and said, you know, my friend Steve Cooper wanted to interview for the show, and I contacted you, and you contacted me, and here we are. I know, and I was like, wow, because you called, and I saw your number, and I never see, I never pick up when it's a number I don't notice. I don't, because I'm, like, I'm like, and then I'll, and I, got, I got the message, and it was... And I was like, oh, South Jersey. Then I'm thinking, did someone I know get hurt? You know, like, because <laughs> you know, oh, I know no. a lot of people. But no, but, the but then. So <laughs> anyway, once again, so it's it's all your Twitter and Instagram. It's all just at Jade Starling. Yes. Okay. People, please follow her on Twitter. Facebook, go to YouTube. You know. Her, Definitely her, follow me on Instagram. There's a lot of hot pics up there. And wink, wink. So, yes. Yeah, so and definitely go to iTunes and pick up my new song, Party to Life, and my album, Captive. That's awesome. So, yeah, and, people, please, please. And check out my videos on on uh, YouTube. And people do that. And people, don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. My uh, website, coopertalk.net. I have over 550 episodes up there. You can uh, email me, Cooper at coopertalk.net uh, words with friends and Instagram coopertalk1 I will play with the words and friends Instagram I do a lot of food pictures which brings me to my cookbook remember when I got out of the hospital with the heart condition well my cookbook you can go to stopthesalt.com and what you do is buy the book 120 low sodium recipes 
easy to make, no pictures to intimidate you, none of that stuff. And also don't forget to go to 4Hangovers, F-O-R-Hangovers.com to get Blowfish for Hangovers. Okay, you can get it at CVS too, but if you get it at their website and you put the word Cooper in, that's me, you get 20% off. So people follow me at Twitter. Go check out Jade, at Jade Starling. Just type in Jade Starling and you'll get the information. So remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.